Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Good morning. Um, I'm so happy to be sharing with you guys this morning. It's such an honor. As uh, uh, Pastor Emma said, my name is Spencer, and I am the youth pastor here at Southside, and I'm so excited, yeah, to share with you guys. We're actually taking a pause this morning in our journey through John. Um, We're pausing because a few weeks ago, Pastor Mike preached a sermon that actually got more feedback than any in recent history. Um, This was the sermon where he talked about how we are to pray for ourselves, how you and I are to pray for ourselves. He talked about the uh, help me prayers, thank you prayers, and wow prayers. When he arrived at the section on wow prayers, Pastor Mike told a story that was incredibly inspiring to all of us when we were, if you were here in person or online. This story was about one of our very own Southsiders, one of our very own kids pastors, who, Maddie Hardy, who, who part of her story um, she, had, she was diagnosed with cancer. And, and as she was being treated and undergoing treatment at the Abbotsford Oncology Department, she was given a one-day pass to come here, to come to Southside, and she wanted to lead worship. She wanted to, to sing a song on the worship team, and the song that she chose was It Is Well. It Is Well. This is a song that is based on a story that we find in three out of the four Gospels. And today, I wanna break that story down for you. We actually wanna take the next two weeks to dive in to how this story from 2,000 years ago and the events that are captured in it impact your life and my life today. Story starts like this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. We see Jesus and his disciples, they they start off this journey together. They're starting off this adventure across the lake. And the day is calm. There's, There's nothing really eventful about the beginning of their journey. They just set off into the water. I'm sure that there was lots of excitement, you know, excitement for this trip ahead of them. Excitement for this adventure on the water. They were, they were together with their close friends and with Jesus, this teacher, unlike any that they had ever seen before in their lives. There's something about new things that are just so incredibly exciting. I think back to when I, uh, my, when I was packing up for my first year of college, right? Everything was exciting. The smallest things excited me. I even remember when I purchased the electric kettle that I would be bringing to, to college, right? There was something about it that was just so, so incredibly exciting. Or, you know, the, the set of sheets that would fit on my twin-size bed, you know? I, I don't know why, but I could not wait to start this new chapter of life because it was, it was this, yeah, it was new and awesome, right? Maybe for you, you just got a fishing rod that you cannot wait to get out on the river, right? Or, or you just got your house repainted and it has never looked better than it does right now. 
right? Or, or maybe you just started a, jo- a new job. And, you know, compared to this job, your old job is absolute garbage, right? The perks of this one are incredible, right? Like the, the opportunities are endless. There is so much room for growth. Your life is gonna just improve by leaps and bounds. Or maybe you just started a new relationship and they're checking all of the boxes that you had. You know, every single thing that they do, you just think is hilarious and incredible. And you would think to yourself, how on earth did nobody scoop them up before me, right? How on earth were they still single? New things are exciting, right? New things, like I, I am a sucker for the unboxing experience of an iPhone, you know, when you open it up and there's that new item, whether it's, whether it's a new item, something as simple as that, or it's this new chapter, a new stage of life, new things are exciting. And when we, when we get that new item or we experience that next step, we imagine that our life is gonna be so much better. We imagine our life is gonna improve because of it. And I think that, that, that when we face these new things, when we step into these new, these new stages, we, we recognize that there, there might be some challenges that come, but we have a level of confidence that we will be able to, to deal with it, right? We'll be, we'll be able to handle it. We'll be able to, to fight our way through it. And this is confidence like I imagine that the, that the disciples had. Because something that's important to know is that among the disciples, among this group of men getting into this boat, four of them were actually experienced fishermen. We had James and John and Peter and Andrew. And they'd fished their whole entire lives. And not only that, they had actually fished on the Sea of Galilee for, for all of their life. So this water, this experience, this, this next thing that they were doing was totally, totally normal. They were pretty confident in their ability to cross. There have been no concerns about this trip. No concerns about what lay ahead for them. I wanna take you back to March of 2020. So I'm driving with my girlfriend towards the Sea to Sky Gondola, okay? So we're on this trip, we're going towards the Sea to Sky Gondola because she had actually won a photo shoot, okay? She had won this photo shoot and we were going to get the photos taken. But in fact, she only thought that she had won the photo shoot because I had, I had arranged the whole thing, okay? Um, I knew that I was going to propose when we got to the top of the Sea to Sky Gondola. So we're going up and the whole way up, I know what's gonna happen, right? I am pretty proud that she didn't know, okay? You may not believe me, but she actually didn't see it coming. Um, And we get to the top of the mountain and there's this short walk that you take to get to a viewpoint that's up there that's incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And as we get to the viewpoint, this large crowd of people is actually leaving from the viewpoint which left it completely empty. It was vacant of people and it was perfect. And so we make our way out to this viewpoint and the photographers start getting us to pose and we had arranged that they would get us to pose back to back, okay? Which is really, really corny, I know. But it allowed for me, it gave me the opportunity to then turn around without her seeing and I got on one knee and I asked her the question, will you marry me? We have the photo here, yeah. (laughs) If you guys want, there's actually a video of the whole thing online, so. Pretty incredible. <laughs> but she said yes, which is amazing, right? That experience could not have gone better. Everything was working out exactly as I had planned it to. You know, it was, I, it was smooth sailing ahead up until that point, right? I was like, wow, I cannot believe how perfect this is. 
And so we set a date for November. I could not wait. I could not wait to celebrate with all of our family in November. But the truth is that that was about to change. The plans that I had were about to change. And what happens next in this story illustrates it very, very well. It says in Mark 4, 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. This is the first thing that I wanna focus on this morning, which is that storms come. Storms come. What I wanna point out is that, that the, this verse shows us the storm at its height, right? The waves are big when we read this, but they didn't start out that way. Storms, just don't, the waves don't immediately start coming into the boat, do they? Initially, waves start small, right? Waves would have started to come and, and rock the boat, shake the boat that the disciples were in, and, and probably give them some idea that this trip that they had, this, that they had idealized was probably not gonna be as smooth as they had imagined. Think about this in your own life. Moments where, where maybe those perfect plans, those new adventures that you're experiencing begin to, to look like they're not gonna be quite as smooth as you thought that they would be. You know, maybe, maybe that pitching wedge didn't actually take your golf game to the absolute next level, right? Or maybe, in fact, cold plunges didn't solve all of your problems, right? I, I'm not sure what it is for you, but maybe you lost your job. Or, or there was a breakup that you didn't see coming at all. Maybe, in fact, there was a divorce in your family that divided everybody against each other. When waves begin in our life, though, we often think that we can handle it, don't we? We often think that we can handle those waves. And I think it's whether you come up with a, you know, a coping mechanism or some kind of saying that you say to yourself, my go-to is if you don't laugh, you'll cry. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. And that, that, that kind of gets me through quite a few things, right? Maybe, maybe you tell yourself, I can make do. I can mend that relationship. I can, I can work harder to earn more money. I can find another job. And you do what you need to do in order to get past those waves using all you can, using every, every ability that you have, every ounce of your effort to get through it. And I imagine that the disciples felt the same way. Right, when the waves started. I imagine they weren't panicking right off the bat. These were experienced fishermen. They had seen waves before, right? And so their abilities, their, their, their experience on the water was, was pretty good at the start, right? They, would, they weren't worried. They weren't concerned about the, the, the boat being rocked because they could figure it out. They had confidence in their boat, in their abilities, and in their experience to, to deal with what was coming at them. See, for Sydney and I, the week following our engagement, um, COVID began to be real, right? The world began to shut down the week after we got engaged. And so this thing that was a distant problem, this thing that I was sure would actually dissipate and would maybe stay overseas, was now here in Canada. It was now something that her and I would have to deal with. Her and I began asking the questions of how would this affect our wedding? How will this affect our wedding in November? 
And I remember people close to us were telling us, oh, you don't have to worry. Don't worry. It's eight months away, right? Things will be back to normal by then. Things will be back to normal by then. And at every turn and every worry, people began to tell us, it's okay, it's okay. Things will be okay. But as the summer progressed, the wedding of our dreams, everything that we had planned began to be taken away from us and reduced. Now, I recognize that what I'm about to share is probably gonna open the floodgates of mockery upon me. Um, But that's okay, because I recognize that I'm pretty weird and I'm an outlier for most grooms, okay? Because I was heavily involved in the way the wedding looked and the details that went into it, okay? We had a mood board that was meticulously put together with colors. It was incredible, okay? Still saved on my phone. But I was so excited to show people the venue and to show them the flowers that we had picked. We had gotten custom printed tote bags for wedding favors for every single guest. As well, I was gonna have a pour over coffee bar, okay? But get this, it was not gonna be your average coffee bar, okay? We were gonna have three different types of coffee on a coffee menu, okay? And they were gonna be from three different regions. It was gonna be incredible. Not to mention, we had the same logo printed on cups that you could drink your coffee out of. And I, if you didn't know this about me, I really like clothing, okay? Clothing is something that I enjoy. And so, the suit that I had picked up was my absolute dream suit. And I could not wait, if I'm being honest, to show it off in front of all of my friends and family, okay? So, there were things about this wedding that that I was disappointed were kind of being taken away from us. You know, the, 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 the reality that we wouldn't get to have as many people there as we wanted to. You know, the, the, the coffee bar that I was looking forward to was being taken away, but I was trying to roll with it. I was trying to, to tell myself, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. And I would try to deal with the things that were coming up in our situation and in our lives. In this story, we see that for the disciples, the waves kept on coming. The waves kept on growing. And pretty soon, their experience, their knowledge of the water and of the boat was not enough. Their own strength couldn't handle what was coming to them. And pretty soon, they were being overwhelmed. So what happens What happens when you and I experience this? What happens when you and I experience things going on in our life that become too much to handle? What happens when our tough it out strategies aren't good enough? When our saying and our our pep talks before the challenges don't suffice? What happens when, when the gap between how much you make and how much your housing and your groceries cost is, in, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller by the day. Maybe you've been trying to fight this addiction to pornography completely on your own and it's becoming very, very clear that you can't do it alone. As I look back on my story, in the grand scheme of things, these, these details of our wedding and, and the excitement that I had over, over people seeing my suit and the coffee bar. See, th- those, were, those were small waves. 
those were small waves because the waves were gonna get much, much bigger for Sydney and I. Something that's important to know is that Sydney, for most of her life has struggled with migraines. Migraines that were so bad that they actually impaired her vision. And, and at times the, the, the pain was so bad that we would have to go to the hospital and able to, get, to be able to get her medication that would even touch the pain. That summer, she had one of those migraines. And I remember we went to the hospital and, and we got the medication, she got treatment. And the week after that appointment, she gets a call from her doctor. And, and he, he begins to tell her that there's something flagged on her blood work and that he was going to recommend her to a blood, a blood doctor or a hematologist to be able to give her the answers, to give us the answers to the questions and next steps about what that meant for her. See, I remember that first appointment with that blood doctor. I remember sitting there and, and hearing her talk. I kind of zoned out for most of the, the appointment, but what I do remember is that she looked at Sydney and I, and she said that she was pretty sure that Sydney had a rare blood cancer known as essential thrombocythemia, or ET. So this was something that we did not expect to hear. I remember sitting there, and I, I knew nothing about ET. I knew nothing about what, what it meant, or, or what, it, I had never heard of it before in my life. All I heard were the words rare and cancer. And I was terrified. I was terrified because I began thinking to myself, would I be, would I be having to say goodbye to my soon-to-be wife before I even got to start a life with her? Would I be having to say goodbye before we even got to experience marriage together? I was terrified. See, we got that news in September. And our wedding, it happened in November. And then fast forward to the week after our honeymoon. I'm, I remember vividly sitting on a stool, holding the hand of my wife of only one and a half weeks as she got a bone marrow biopsy. As I'm telling her to breathe, that it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay. And, and I'm sitting there holding her hand. No, can't, I can't even believe that I'm there. That week, we drive to BC Cancer in Surrey, um, where we're gonna hear the results of this bone marrow biopsy and steps forward. As we're sitting in that appointment and the doctor is sharing potential treatment options, I remember her sharing about this particular kind of chemotherapy that Sydney could take. That next week, we're on a Zoom call with other families and people, who are, and when we're learning about what potential side effects could come, about what to do in emergency situations or worst case scenarios. Over the next few weeks, Sydney began this treatment. And I remember we, we got sent home with this, this little vial of, this little syringe of medication. I remember that they told us that this was one of the most expensive medications that they had at the hospital. And so, Sydney and I are sitting there in our 500 square foot apartment in the bathroom in Vancouver, looking at this little syringe of medication, this little syringe of expensive, expensive liquid. And, and I remember feeling as Sydney put the syringe together and began to administer, I remember feeling hope rise 
I remember feeling so, so hopeful. Because that, that could be, this could be the answer, right? This could be the solution that I've been, I've been waiting for, the solution that we've been looking for. This could be the calm to the storm in our life. This could be the, the, the calm to the waves that we were experiencing. See, it was becoming clear, though, that there was nothing that I could do to control the storm. There was nothing that I could do with my own ability, my own effort, or my own strength to control anything that was going on around us. Because over the next four weeks, as Sydney began the treatment, her migraines got worse instead of better. This thing that I, I had imagined would be the answer, that I had imagined would be the solution and the calm was not. It felt like just wave after wave was crushing us over and over again. See, as I read this story, what happens next describes that feeling perfectly. It says in verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? This is the second thing that I wanna focus on this morning. So the first thing is that storms come. The second thing is that it can feel like Jesus doesn't care. It can feel like Jesus doesn't care. The funny thing about this section of scripture that I, that I love is that it says that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> He's on a cushion, you know, because they wanted to make sure that it was clear that he hadn't accidentally fallen asleep, you know, against the side of the boat. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was up on watch and he accidentally dozed off. Like he had placed down a cushion, you know, laid down horizontally, and fully, you know, I imagine him tucking himself in, ready for this journey ahead. Because I think the truth is, is that when we're in the middle of these circumstances, when the waves begin in our lives and they begin to get bigger and bigger, it can feel like not only does God not hear me, but that in fact, he doesn't even care. That he's laying down, head on a cushion, asleep. Like, like all of the praying and all of the, the crying and all of the asking doesn't even register with him because he's asleep. Because he's asleep. Maybe that parent that you prayed would recover. That parent that you prayed would, would come back to health and never did. Or your child who you, have a, who you have a broken relationship with who you've been praying and asking would come back into your life, would come back to you hasn't. Or maybe for your whole life, you've prayed and asked God that, to, to have your parents reconcile, to, you know, to, 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 to find some way to, to set aside their differences and come back together, but they haven't. Maybe that job that you, that you thought you were a shoe in for, that you were gonna get for sure you didn't or you failed that exam, and now you can't get into the school that you had that was, that was, a, that was pivotal to your five-year plan. See, at our worst of times, it can feel like our desperate cries, like our desperate actions, 
to stay afloat, to survive the storm are being completely, completely unnoticed by God. See, like, like his disciples, maybe you feel like, like you, need to, you need to wake Jesus up. You need to wake God up in order to see what's going on in your life, to see the size of the waves, to see that they are overtaking you. I remember one night during that time when Sydney was going through treatment and things were getting worse. I remember I was just on my knees in our living room in that 500 square foot apartment in Vancouver. And I was just praying and asking God. I remember I was, I was praying in a way where I was trying to muster all that I could, all the strength that I had to ask for help. See, I found myself believing that if I prayed in a certain way, that maybe then God would hear me. That the reason that my, my, my prayers weren't being answered was because I didn't have the right language. I didn't have the right volume. I didn't have the right position on the couch or on the floor. And so I thought that maybe praying louder or praying longer would help. Would allow for Jesus to be woken up, hear me and answer my request. See, Sydney started getting migraines every single week, like clockwork. And they were some of the worst migraines that she'd experienced in her whole life. I remember this went on for a couple of weeks until it was just unbearable for her. We had gone to stay in Abbotsford with, uh, with Sydney's parents because we needed some support. Because Sydney's migraine had lasted days. It lasted days. We found ourselves in the Abbotsford emergency room. And I, I was, as we were waiting for Sydney to go in, I was just praying over and over and over again to offer her some relief, asking for God to bring healing, to ease the pain that she was experiencing. She was taken in to be treated, and because of COVID, I wasn't even allowed to go in with her. And so there I was. I was by myself in the emergency room. I remember sitting there, just praying over and over and over again, God, offer her some relief, bring some relief, some, some ease to the pain. Calm the storms that is, that is going on in our life. Calm these waves. I was there until, until early, early that next morning until I finally got a phone call from Sydney where she told me that they would actually be keeping her there overnight. And because of COVID, I, I wasn't allowed to go in. I wasn't allowed to stay. And so I remember as I got up to leave the emergency room and I got into my car, I started driving back to Sydney's parents' house just by myself. And I remember sitting in that car, feeling like I was doing the wrong thing. I remember feeling like, like I was actually abandoning my wife. Like I was abandoning Sydney. And if I'm being completely honest with you, in that very moment, it felt like God was abandoning us. I felt so alone. I felt so broken. That next morning, I, I didn't know what to do, and so I remember I just drove to work. I drove to work that next morning, and 
I'm sitting in a staff meeting and it was obvious that I wasn't okay. I remember I was just sitting in that room, staring off into the corner as I tried to gather my thoughts and my feelings and try to make sense of what was going on. As I left the staff room, somebody asked me how I was doing. And I remember that, at that question of how are you, everything came to the surface. You know, these first two months of marriage were supposed to be Sydney and I getting to make a home together, enjoying the new experiences of life as a married couple, getting to decorate our house, you know, cook dinner together. And there I was by myself. I've been trying all that I could to keep things afloat. I've been trying all that I had in my power and my ability and in my strength to fight the storm, but I couldn't do it. I remember feeling like, like I was being overwhelmed. You know, the, boat, the boat was going down. The boat was going down. Sydney would spend the next five days in the hospital. I remember I was, I was looking for some kind of sign that God was hearing my prayers, but it seemed to just keep on coming. It seemed like everything was failing. Like I was the disciples asking Jesus that question. Don't you care that we are going to drown? Don't you care that we're going to drown? I know that, that my story is incredibly unique and specific, but I wanna ask you, can you think of a moment in your own life where you felt that way, desperate? You felt overwhelmed like you have no, no, option, no options left. Maybe it's the monthly bills that just keep on coming. You can't find a way to pay them. Or your car keeps on breaking down and your savings account is already empty, but you don't have any other options. Maybe you just found out that you're pregnant and you have no idea how to tell your parents or that depression that you've experienced for years and years and years is not getting any better. Or you and your wife are going through challenges and difficulties and you've been trying to sort it out. You've been trying to figure it out on your own, but it's clear that if you don't get help, that things aren't gonna turn out. We see the disciples at this very moment, desperate, overwhelmed and afraid. But then in this story, we actually see Jesus move. Mark 4, 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The book of Luke records what happens next. It says, then he, then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. When I read that story, that section of that story in particular, I imagine Jesus standing up from the back of the boat, even with a smile on his face as he walks down the deck of the boat, through the crowd of the disciples to the front of the boat. He calms the, wave, the waves and he calms the wind and then turns to them and says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? 
This question that he asks them, I, I imagine him asking not out of a way to condemn them, but as a means to actually call their attention away from the wind, away from the waves and the circumstances and call their attention to him. This is the last thing that I wanna focus on this morning is that Jesus wants us to trust him. Jesus wants us to trust him. So number one, storms come. Number two, it can feel like Jesus doesn't care. And number three, Jesus wants us to trust him. I remember one night in particular to the ones in the past where I was praying in our living room. And the prayers that, that I had prayed in the past where I was trying to will something into being, the ones that I had tried at all that I could and use all my energy and might to pray, I had grown tired of. I remember sitting there on my knees and feeling like God was actually wanting something different from me. God was asking me to invite him in. I remember feeling like, like Jesus was saying, invite me into your situation. Invite me into your circumstances. See, those, those waves that I had been so afraid of started to become less terrifying. As I sat in that living room, it felt like Jesus was there with me. The storm that I had been so afraid of, I began to feel less fear. And it wasn't because the storm was gone. It wasn't because the waves were any smaller, but it was because Jesus was with me. It was because Jesus was there with me. Something that I want to point out is that in this life, the storms may not stop immediately. The storms may not stop immediately or ever. When I have read this story in the past of Jesus calming the wind and the waves, I almost imagined that, that I, could, I could take the language he used and the circumstance, and I could take the language you use and apply it directly to my circumstance, right? I would say, quiet, be still, and my circumstance would go away. I could declare it over the things going on in my life, and it would be the solution. During that time when Sydney was going through treatment, I, I wrote out a prayer. I recently went back and actually reread it. And it was so clear to me that the language I was using and the way that I was praying was, was me trying everything that I possibly could to get God's attention, to shake him awake, to, to, to get him to see what we were going through. But the reality was is that our circumstances wouldn't change all that much. Because on this side of eternity, the external storms, those circumstances that we're facing, they may not cease. Sydney still has ET. She still deals with symptoms and flare-ups and the pain that comes with that. But you see, the difference is, is that in those moments of fear and anxiety, those moments where it feels like things are overwhelming, I'm aware that Jesus is in my boat, that I can trust not in my own ability or in my own strength or even in that boat that I'm standing in, but I can trust in Jesus. I can trust in God. These words that Jesus spoke of quiet, be still. 
that night that I was praying, I felt like Jesus was speaking them to my heart, to my soul. As I faced wave after wave of this anxiety and fear, I just pictured Jesus you know, sitting at the back of that boat as I'm freaking out. And he looks at me and says, quiet, quiet, be still. I know, I know those waves are pretty big. Like I know they're big. And I know that you're scared. But why don't you come back here? Come back here with me. Come back here with me. I'm the one that the waves and the wind listen to. As I look back, I begin to see moments where Jesus was in charge. I think often in these circumstances, it's in review of them that we see where God had intervened, where God's hand was at work. See, in that time where it felt like Jesus was asleep, I began to see where he, where he had done things that I, I didn't see in the moment. During that time that Sydney was in the hospital for those five days, it was actually the only way that she was able to find proper treatment for her ET. During those five days, she was given the environment and the care that she needed to be able to try things out and not be afraid that she wouldn't have the support that she needed. We were actually given a, a, a private room, which was basically impossible during COVID. And on top of that, she was put in the only part of the hospital that visitors were allowed to go. As I look back, I see how God was faithful. See, Sydney went from having a migraine every single week to having one migraine in a whole year. And even when I look back at our wedding, this thing that in the grand scheme of things is pretty small. I begin to see how incredibly, incredibly amazing it was to have the people there who truly, truly matter to Sydney and I. See, I'm not sure what's going on in your life. I'm not sure the size of the waves or the fear that you're feeling or the circumstances that you're facing, I'm not, I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus wants to speak to your heart. He wants to say, quiet, be still. Because while the, while the circumstances around you might not be quiet or might not be stilled by Jesus, every time, you know what's, what's incredible is that every single time, Every single time you can trust that, that he can speak it to your heart. That that storm going on inside, the fear and the anxiety and the things that, 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 that are causing us to worry, we can actually have Jesus speak to. Again, not because the circumstances have changed, but because Jesus is there with you. What's incredible is that that Jesus died and rose again so that you and I can have a relationship with him, a relationship with the one who the wind and the waves listen to, a relationship that when we invite him in, we can actually have for eternity, from now until forever. So with confidence, you and I can say that, that no matter what circumstances we face, that no matter what storms come our way, that the one who the wind and the waves listen to 
is in my boat. He's in my boat. And the Bible tells us that he actually can live inside of us. We will carry him everywhere we go. Quiet, be still. It's gonna be okay. It can be spoken to your heart at any turn, at any moment that you feel scared. If you could all bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here and you wanna invite Jesus in, you wanna invite him into your boat, you wanna start a relationship with him, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. If that's you, I would love it if you could just slip your hand up right now. So just an outward expression of something going on inside. You could just slip it up, whether you're here in person or online. Amazing, amazing. You can just pray this simple prayer after me. Jesus, I want you in my boat. I trust you. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If that was you, if you put your hand up, I would love for you to text the word LIFE to 604-670-3040. We wanna take these next steps with you as you start this relationship with Jesus. We're actually gonna go into a song uh, as response right now. We're gonna be singing the song, It Is Well. And I wanna encourage you guys to take this time to reflect and to maybe invite Jesus in to your circumstance. Let's sing together. So like Spencer said, we're gonna end this morning with a song, but before we do, I just wanna take a second just to sit in this moment a little bit and reflect a little bit together on some of the words that Spencer just spoke. Because you know, the truth is that most of us are probably either coming out of a storm, in the midst of a storm right now, or headed into a storm because this life is difficult, because this world is broken and things can be really, really hard. They can be really tough. And so I just wanted to ask you, like I've been asking myself all week, if there's something in your life that just feels like it's out of control, it's overwhelming. If there's an area in your heart or a circumstance where you feel like you've just lost hope, where it feels like God just doesn't care, or Jesus is asleep at the back of the boat on a cushion, or maybe for you, your storm is just this anxiety that maybe there is a storm coming. Maybe there is something around the corner and that thought just cripples you. Whatever it is, I would just encourage you to bring those things to the front of your mind right now. And I just wanna pray together. I wanna pray for all of us. So dear Lord, I just lift up every person in this room or watching online or anyone that can hear my voice right now. God, I lift up their circumstances and everything that they're going through. And God, we know that you are the God who the wind and the waves listen to. We know that you can do anything. And so we ask you to move. We ask you to work miraculously in our lives, to do what only you can do. And we will be so careful to give you all the glory for the work that you do in our lives and our hearts and our families and our health. But God, we know that sometimes for reasons that we don't necessarily understand. The waves don't always stop on this side of eternity and things can be really scary and really hard. And so I pray for, again, everyone that can hear my voice right now, I just pray that you would give them the peace that only you can give, the peace that you promise us that surpasses all understanding. 
I pray that you would just speak to our souls, our minds, our hearts, and just say, quiet, be still. That we would have a deep understanding that you are with us, that you are for us, that it's going to be okay. Just give us your peace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.